Hey legends, welcome back to another episode of Jim's Man Cave. I'm Big Jim. This is episode two. Hope you enjoy. In this episode, I'm going to run through my process of how I clean my beer glasses. Also going to discuss a couple of brews that I brewed and they're almost ready to be cracked open and uh, tasted. I can't wait to try them. And we're also going to discuss a few of the crafties I've had this week. And we're going to have a look at stouts and what stouts are all about. Stay tuned for that in this episode. Thanks for sticking around. Enjoy. Alright, alright, alright. I can't start this podcast off without cracking a beer as we always do. This one I'm about to crack is Dayton Brewery. Shellraiser Oyster Kilpatrick Stout. This one comes in at 9.5% ABV in a 355ml tin. Big beer this one. I've had it a couple of times before and I stumbled across a bottle shop that still had some left. Now this Oyster Kilpatrick Stout was packaged 19th of June 2019. Hence it's still around. And sometimes people just pick these things up and think that they're no good because they're close to a year. But guys, it's a stout. It's it's basically an imperial stout. They can age. But anyway, long story short, this is what I'm about to crack. It's the Oyster Stout from Dayton Brewery. I think it is delicious. It's like salted chocolate goodness. Ah, hear that. Beautiful. Give it a bit of a pour in my snifter glass. That's the sound of liquid gold. Anyway, on with the show, eh? Alright, so one of the beers I've had this week comes from the Garage Project. Garage Project hailing out of Wellington in New Zealand. I had their super fresh volume free. Now, for some unknown reason, I was I always avoided this thinking it was a pilsner. Lucky for me, the wife picked it up. Turns out it's a triple IPA. So a triple India pale ale, or otherwise shortened term, is tipper. It has that nice, dank, punchy juice flavor I'm loving lately, all these juicy beers. It even showcases the ingredients on the tin. So of course we're home, home brewers and I'm a home brewer and probably some of my listeners are home brewers. On this tin, they have the malt, which is USL and wheat. And then we've got the hops, Zarka, Simcoe. Simcoe I'm not a big fan of, but I haven't tried Simcoe mixed with other hops i've had a simcoe smash that didn't turn out too well it could have been my processes could have just be me not liking simcoe but anyway the hops in this one are azaka simcoe and citra and the yeast that was used here is barbarian 804 so this is 
This triple IPAs are characterized by a higher hop flavors and a higher alcohol content, with the alcohol content usually over 10% ABV. And it's also a New England style IPA. So New England IPAs, also referred to as hazy IPA or juicy IPA, are a style of IPA invented by the alchemist John Kimmich with his beer, Hetty Topper. They are characterized by juicy citrus and floral flavors with an emphasis on hop aroma with low bitterness. They also have a smooth consistency or mouthfeel and a hazy appearance. These characteristics are achieved using a combination of brewing techniques, including the use of a particular strains of yeast, the timing of adding the hops, and adjusting chemistry of the water. The style has become popular among New England brewers. New England IPAs need not be brewed in New England. It was officially recognized as a separate beer style, the Juicy or Hazy India Pale Ale by the Brewers Association in 2018. A variation on the style is the Milkshake IPA, which adds lactose to make a New England IPA more creamy. And, and from that, I've thought about making Milkshake IPAs. I'm not too sure I want to jump in there yet because I haven't really sampled a commercial one that I've actually enjoyed. But anyway, let's move on to the next crafty. So the next one is from Bad Shepherd Brewing Co. It is a Poseidon. It's called the Poseidon. It's a triple IPA. Triple dry hopped in a big 440ml can. A delicious triple IPA. The Bad Shepherd Poseidon is piney, dank and bitter with a boozy burn. A delicious beast of a beer and left me wanting more. 10% ABV in that big 440ml can. Thank the almighty Imperial IPA for inspiring this triple IPA godlike amounts of the holy hot varieties, Galaxy, Vic Secret, Mosaic and Simcoe provide an all-powerful pungent punch while the vibrant piney and citrusy crisp character keeps it blessedly drinkable. Between those crafties and just after that big, massive Poseidon triple IPA, I just want to run through something to give everyone a bit of an idea of like what makes an IPA double or a triple. So double IPAs, also called Imperial IPAs, this uniquely American style takes the craving for hops and runs with it. These usually use a double or even triple the typical amount of hops, but also add more malts to balance. The resulting beer has huge hoppy highs and deep malty depths with a high ABV to match. Next one, which is probably a worldwide renowned brewery, comes from Stone Brewing in USA. Back in Australia, the tins have come back 
It used to get the big bottles of stone here in Australia. Now we've got the tins there back in Australia and the stone fans are loving it. So from Stone Brewing USA, a hazy double India Pale Ale with an ABV fetching 8.1%. Brewed with added passion fruit, orange and guava. On the aroma, I've got mandarin, pineapple and passion fruit. It's just dank, it's juicy and it's sweet. That's what I like. West Coast Hops, East Coast Haze, Passion Fruit, Orange and Guava Juice. Inspired by the popular Hawaiian drink, this ridiculously tasty double IPA combines influence from across the country into one of the most flavorful beers we've ever released. One could call it a perfect storm. We'd say it's peak conditions. And that's the name of this beer. This is Stone Brewing Peak Conditions. You can't miss the can. It's pink, it's bright, it's got the stone logo there. You just can't miss it. And if you see it about, pick it up, give it a go if you like these juicy IPAs. Next Crafty is out now in limited releases, so you need to get out there and pick it up if you see it and give it a crack. It's from Dayton Brewery. It's called Pandemic Punch. Now, essentially what they did in amongst this coronavirus pandemic is so that they don't waste kegs. They blended a few kegs together and come up with what is known as the Pandemic Punch. It's a fruity Nipah blend. So I've enjoyed a couple of crafties with Dayton pumping, pumping out cracking beers left, right and centre. This one's no different, blending a few cakes together to create the pandemic punch. A New England IPA with tropical aromas, easy drinking but beware the 6.6% ABV. No mask needed. Be sure to keep the 1.5 metre social distancing rules and wash your hands. Cheers. So the brewery blurb on this goes like this. When life gives you pandemics, you make punch. Pandemic punch, a craftedly blended brew made 100% from orphan keys that spits in the eye of the Rona. Has anyone tried the new release from Ben Spoke Brewing Co. down in Canberra, ACT, Australia. It is called the Flam Flanders Red Ale. I gave it a go. It's a low ABV, 5%. Reminds me of overripe dark plums. It's approachable and not too harsh. It's not at the level of Roddenbach, but this is like the first step to take towards that journey. In my opinion, red wine lovers would enjoy this it's kind of like even if you are into sours if you're low level sour lovers you would enjoy this for me it's not something i'd usually pick up in saying that it was nice for a change a change of pace from the imperials the ipas etc plus my wife picked it out so I can't fault her on that. It's new, it's hip, and we'll send some bent spoke fanboys into saying, WTF, this ain't no crankshaft or sprocket. Those bent spoke fans 
that haven't experienced a Flanders probably won't be able to palate this, but as per style, it's all right, and I have to judge as per style. So that's my take on it. So this one's the last crafty for your shopping list for this week. Go out and get these six tins and tell me what you think. Let me know what you think. I have it my side project group, which is on Facebook called Mid Coast Beer Culture. So go and pick up these six beers this week. Come over to Mid Coast Beer Culture, join the group, post your pics of your beers and tell me what you think. Tell me if you agree with my thoughts on these beers. So the sixth and final crafty for this week is from Nomad Brewing Co. Nomad are down at the Northern Beaches, down near Manly, near Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. It's a trooper collaboration with Iron Maiden. It's an XPA, it's smashable, it's warm weather beer. Even though it's all it's almost winter here in Australia and I've had it in winter, it's to me it's a warm weather beer. That's that XPA style to me. It's not something I'd venture back for as I don't tend to go for the XPA style. But I enjoyed it. It was something different. So the brewery blurb on Trooper goes like this. Trooper XPA was created and developed by Iron Maiden vocalist and beer enthusiast Bruce Dickinson and the Nomad Brewing Team. Bruce invited Nomad to develop a local variety of Trooper with tropical DNA for Australian taste buds. And for local fans of the band, the result is a 4.5% refreshing and big flavoured XPA loaded with Australian and American hops, including three new varieties. So legends, just before we get into some homebrew talk, and the glassware cleaning tip. Grab your pen, grab your pad, your piece of paper, and write these six beers down. This is your shopping list for this week. Go get these beers. You've, we've got the Garage Project Super Fresh Volume Free. So that's one. Then we've got our Bad Shepherd Poseidon Triple IPA. That's number two. And we've got Stone Brewing. So Stone Brewing Peak Conditions. That was the third one that we've discussed here today. After that, we have Bent Spoke Brewing Co. Flam, the Flanders Red Ale. And we've got the Nomad Brewing Co. The Trooper, which is an Iron Maiden collaboration. Be sure to pick these beers up when you're out and about. And let's not forget the sixth and final, which is the Dayton Brewery Pandemic Punch, because it is limited. Once it's gone, it's gone. So write those guys down. Pause the podcast. Write them down. 
don't forget them. Go to your local. Hopefully they have them for you. If not, I'm sure they'll help you into something to substitute. But tell them, Jim from Jim's Man Caves Podcast sent me here to pick up these six beers and I want these six beers. Hopefully they can get them for you. And I hope you enjoy. And if you do, if you do guys, it'd be outstanding and I'd appreciate it if you come over to Mid Coast Beer Culture. So Mid Coast, one word, M-I-D-C-O-A-S-T. Beer Culture group on Facebook. Come in there, post your pictures of your beers. Tell me what you think. And as a group, as a whole, we have 170 group members in the group as we speak that all love craft beer. Come and get involved, guys. Now we're going to move on. We're going to get into the homebrew talk. Well, as previously stated, I wanted to get in and talk about some stouts and I wanted to talk about some homebrew stuff. So here it is. Uh, I've just recently cracked open a bottle of my cherry stout. It was a version one. It's an 8% stout. It is 56 IBUs in this stout and it is bottled. It was bottled on the 6th of October, 2019. What it essentially is with this brew is I did the normal the normal stuff as you would on a brew day to those home brewers, you know, you know how it runs, the mash and all that kind of you know, all that kind of jazz or whatever. But uh, the last 10 minutes of the boil before flame out I added 500 grams of frozen pitted cherries, as well as two blocks of dark chocolate. And then another 500 grams of pitted cherries were dry hopped on day five before bottling. So the grain bill for this one is I use pale malt, I use chocolate malt, flaked oats, medium crystal, and roasted barley. And there's only one hop used in this, and that was just bitter. It was a 60 minute boil edition, which is North Down hops, with two packets of SO4, which is a, a fruity English ale style yeast. So essentially with this one, I, I wanted to brew this beer to age for 12 months. Right now it's sitting at seven months. So 6th of October, today's date is about the 8th of May. So it's sitting for 7 months and I uh, have about 10 bottles left now. So I'm hoping to hold those 10 bottles for another 2 months and I've tried it at 9. I've tried it at every month, all the way through, all the stages. And it has changed over time, the flavour has changed. The, cherry is not so tart now it was like a bit of a red wine like tartness after one month but now it's just mellowed out it kind of reminds me of the dark chocolate cherry ripe you get those cherry ripes that are coated in dark chocolate kind of get that flavor but it's, it's very smooth it's like i've used lactose in this brew there is no lactose whatsoever in this brew but it just gives me that vibe Perhaps it's something that just that little adjustment I could do next time around is add some lactose in there, give it a bit more, bit more body. Even though I think it already has that, it's keep it keeps the head, 
all the way to the bottom. Now this was a 750ml bottle and I topped my glass up three or four times throughout the uh, throughout the, the last hour and a half with this beer. And the head stayed all the way. And if you're a member of the World Home Brew Club on Facebook, uh, you would have seen me I had this beer on, on live. I was on live on World Home Brew Club retrying this Cherry Imperial Stout and you could see in my glass all the way to the bottom, it kept the head and I love that with a beer. I, I just, some beers are great and they don't keep a head and then other beers are great and they keep the head and it just makes it look, it looks nice when it keeps the head all the way to the bottom. But yeah, so that's the, the Cherry Imperial Stout. The one thing I didn't do with this, because it was early in my brewing career, uh, we can get through where I started. We can, we can chat about where I started in a, in a future episode. Uh, but in, in this episode, uh, with this particular Cherry Stout, I didn't know a thing about water chemistry. So the only kind of water chemistry that was used in, in this particular beer would have been a uh, Camden tablet, a uh, quarter of a Camden tablet just to drop a bit of chlorine out. There was no Epsom salts or magnesium or gypsum or anything like that used in this brew. And in brewing this beer again, and by doing the water profile, might even change something there. I'm even thinking about a nice bit of uh, a rum background to this. Might be, might be nice. So... What I essentially want to do is, I wanted to make this as a, a Christmas beer. It was essentially essentially a Christmas beer. Uh, excuse the dogs barking in the background, I can't really do much about that. But yeah, this was essentially a Christmas beer. And perhaps around Christmas time, 2020, I re-brew this beer. But use some uh, staves, I think they're called. And, and, and soak them in some some rum because we always pick up that rum around Christmas time and enjoy a couple of uh, rum and cokes or you, know, you add your rum to your Christmas puddings and stuff. So get some uh, staves. Uh, I apologise if I've got the, the terminology there uh, incorrect, but and, and soak them in some rum and, and, and just try that. Try chucking a couple of those in the fermenter and, and essentially, yes, brewing it around 2020. Uh, Christmas time and then letting it sit for 12 months I'll hide it away somewhere uh, we'll dig we'll dig a tunnel underground we'll, we'll, we'll chuck them in a chuck them down in a, in a time capsule with a uh, time capsule lock on it that it can't release so I can't touch them I just get too over enthused over enthusiastic to to try these beers I just I just can't help it I I love the I love the art of home brewing it's fun it's fun to experiment uh yeah, so that's that's the cherry. We'll move on there to another one, another brew that I've got going, and uh, we'll just take a short break and we'll be back. So upcoming in the next episode of the podcast, I am going to try a new beer that I've brewed, something I haven't brewed before and I haven't tried it at the recording of this podcast, which today is the 8th of May, 
and I have not tried this brew yet. It's about four weeks in the bottle. It's my Oaty Mac Oat Face Stout, 5.8%. So reasonable for a nice stout beer, oatmeal stout. In this beer, I've used uh, pale malt. I've used malted oats. I've used wheat malt, chocolate malt, flaked rye, Munich malt, and roasted barley. So a little bit in the grain bill here. But with my hops, I've used Magnum for bittering, and I use Saz. About 10 minutes left in the boil, I use Saz. It's a nice, simple brew, this one. And uh, US 05 for the uh, for the yeast here. But this one did have some water treatment. So, you know, the Epsom salt and the gypsum and calcium chloride was all used in this brew. So I'm keen to give this one a crack. Uh, I really want to hold off to the 12 week mark before trying so everything just settles but I'd also like to try it and, and, and get a vibe of what's happening week by week from now like at this point of time it's four weeks in the bottle which I'm almost tempted to crack one perhaps I might uh, not on this podcast but perhaps tomorrow you know, it's the week the weekend is here might just crack one just just to see where it's at i'd like to get a vibe going forward and try one each week leading up to that point but next week we will know and we'll come back and and we'll let you know how it all goes with this one it was bottled on the 13th of april so it's almost a month old but yeah definitely four weeks old but yeah almost a month old um i also used with the oats the oats were toasted. I had uh, two lots of two lots of 800 gram lots of oats. One lot was toasted. So really keen to see how this one went. I can't wait, and I'm excited to try it. I love stout season. I love dark beer season. There's a winter. It's awesome. Just sit around the fire, nice dark roasty beer. Nothing better. Anyway, what is a stout? It's a question we all ask because a lot of newcomers to homebrew. A lot of newcomers to craft. If you mention the word stout, the first thing that pops in people's head is like Guinness. I like Guinness, but Guinness to me is like entry level stout. There's to me, there's not much flavour in Guinness. Really, there isn't. Like when you when you're drinking imperial stouts and big barrel aged bourbon stouts, that's got flavour. Guinness. It's just, it's like a black, smashable, creamy lager. That's essentially what it is. That's what it is to me. It's just something that's, you could have a, a, a few of, and it, but it just has that texture that people love. It's nice and thick, but drifting away from the topic a little, just, it's, when you, yeah, when you bring up the word stout, people think of Guinness, or they think of Tui's Old as being a stout, uh, there's a lot more than that and let's dive deeper into explanation of what is a stout let's try and find some history so another little short five second intermission guys we'll be back Alright, stout. So stout is a dark top fermented beer with a number of variations, including dry stout, 
Baltic Porter, Milk Stout and Imperial Stout. The first known use of the word stout for beer was in a document dated 1677, found in the Eganton manuscripts, the sense being that a stout beer was a strong beer, not a dark beer. The name Porter was first used in 1721 to describe a dark brown beer that had been made with roasted malts. Because of the huge popularity of porters, brewers made them in a variety of strengths. The stronger beers, typically 7% or 8% alcohol by volume, were called stout porters. So the history and development of a stout and a porter intertwined and the term stout has become firmly associated with dark beer rather than just strong beer. Even today, there are not many distinctions between stouts and porters and the terms are used by different breweries almost interchangeably to describe dark ales and the two styles have more in common than in distinction. Milk stout, also called sweet stout or cream stout, is a stout containing lactose, a sugar derived from milk. Because lactose cannot be fermented by beer yeast, it adds sweetness and body to the finished beer. Milk stout was claimed to be nutritious and was given to nursing mothers along with other stouts. Milk stout was also said to be prescribed by doctors to help nursing mothers increase their milk production. The classic surviving example of milk stout is Maccasins for which the original brewers advertised that each pint contains the energizing carbohydrates of 10 ounces of pure dairy milk, that's 280 mils of dairy milk. The style was rare until being revived by a number of craft breweries during the craft beer boom of the 21st century. It is widely reported that in the period just after the Second World War, when rationing was in place, the British government required brewers to remove the word milk from their labels and adverts, and any imaginary associated milk. However, no specific legalisation or orders have been found to support this, though there were some prosecutions in Newcastle, Upton Tyne in 1944, under the Food and Drugs Act 1938, regarding misleading labelling. The next stout we're going to talk about is dry or Irish stout. With milk or sweet stout becoming the dominant stout in the UK in the early 20th century, it was mainly in Ireland that the non-sweet or standard stout was being made, as standard stout has a drier taste than the English and American sweet stouts. They came to be called dry stout or Irish stout to differentiate them from stouts with added lactose or oatmeal. This is the style that represents typical stout to most people. The best-selling stouts in the world are Irish stouts made by none other than Guinness at St. James Gate Brewery, also known as the Guinness Brewery in Dublin. Guinness makes a number of different varieties of its Irish stouts. Other examples of Irish dry stout include Murphy's, 
and Beamish. Draft Irish Stout is normally served with a nitrogen propellant rather than carbon dioxide as most beers use. The nitrogen propellant creates a creamy texture with a long-lasting head. Some canned and bottled stouts include a special device called a widget to nitrogenate the beer in the container to replicate the experience of the keg varieties. We all, we're all familiar with that little nitrogen widget that comes in those Guinness cans. So, uh, we'll move on. We'll move on to now, we'll have a look at the oatmeal stout, which uh, I've got one of these oatmeal stouts aging away in the bottle. So, oatmeal stout is a stout with a proportion of oats, normally a maximum of 30%, added during the brewing process even though a larger proportion of oats in a beer can lead to a bitter or astringent taste. During the medieval period in Europe, oats were a common ingredient in ale, and proportions up to 35% were standard, despite some areas of Europe such as Norway still clinging to the use of oats in brewing until the early part of the 20th century. The practice had largely died out by the 16th century, so much so that in 1513, Tudor sailors refused to drink oat beer offered to them because of the bitter flavour. There was a revival of interest in using oats during the end of the 19th century when supposedly restorative, nourishing and invalid beers such as the later milk stout were popular because of the association of porridge with health. Maclay of Lower produced an original oatmeal stout in 1895 which used 70% oat malt with a 63 oatmeal stout in 1909 which used 30% flaked porridge oats. In the 20th century, many oat stouts contained only a minimal amount of oats. For example, in 1936, Barclay Perkins oatmeal stout used to only 0.5% oats as the oatmeal stout was party gold with their porter and stand stout. These also contained the same proportion of oats. Party gold brewing involves blending the warts drawn from multiple mashes or sparges after the boil to produce beers of different gravities. The name seems to have been marketing device more than anything else. In the 1920s and 1930s, Whitbreads, London Stout and Oatmeal Stout were identical, just packaged differently. The amount of oats Whitbread used was minimal, again around 0.5%. With such a small quantity of oats used, it could only have had little impact on the flavour or texture of these beers. Many breweries were still using Oatmeal Stouts in the 1950s. For example, Brickworks in Portsmouth, Matthews Brown in Blackburn and Ushers in Trowbridge. When Michael Jackson mentioned the defunct Elridge Pope Oat Malt Stout in his 1977 book, The World Guide to Beer, Oatmeal Stout was no longer being made anywhere, but Charles Finkel, founder of Merchant Divin, was curious enough to commission Guide to Beer Samuel Smith to produce a version. Samuel Smith's Oatmeal Stout then became the template for other brewery versions. Oatmeal Stouts do not usually taste specifically of oats. The smoothness of oat Stouts 
comes from the high content of proteins, includes fats and waxes and gums imparted by the use of the oats. The gums increase viscosity and the body adding to the sense of smoothness. Alright, so nothing worse than cracking a beer into a glass and seeing that glass just bubbles just clinging to the side. It grinds my gears and I just hate it. And and being taking Instagram photos and, and things like that, I like the glass to look nice and clean. So this is what I do. After you've had your beer in your glass, rinse that glass out with hot water. Let it drain. And every time before I go to grab a glass, I do the same. So rinse it in hot water, give it a spray with some star sand that's uh, been mixed up into a spray bottle. Give it a good spray, coat, coat everywhere on that glass. Chuck a blue chucks cloth inside that glass and you need something something like a, like a bottle brush or uh, one of those sponges where you can fill the, the liquid up in, in the handle and you just swirl one of them around with, with your chucks and just give the inside a good scrub. Uh, rinse it out with some boiling hot water, let it drain, and then you're good to go. That's all it is. It's very simple, it's very quick, and I've had no bubbles clinging to my glass ever since I've been doing this this way. So that really, really works. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you all for tuning in to episode two of the podcast for Jim's Man Cave. And in episode three, we'll continue on with our stout chat. In episode three, we'll continue on and we'll look at the oyster stout, the chocolate stout, and the imperial stout. So recently enjoyed some oyster stouts, chocolate stouts, and imperial stouts. So stay tuned for the next episode, episode three, and I'll discuss some of those free variations of stouts that I've enjoyed throughout the week as well as we'll have our next six pack of craft beers that I've enjoyed through the past week we'll drop them so make sure you bring your notepad along notepad pen write these beers down especially if you're in Australia if you're in Australia you're going to be able to get a hold of these beers if you're in America you may get a couple of them because some of the beers that I enjoy do come from overseas, do come from America, do come from Sweden, do come from Norway, do come from those other countries. So let's uh, let's just in, enjoy that podcast next week with the uh, continue on continuation of the stout as well as we are cracking the Jim's Man Cave uh, OT Mac O-Face Stout. So that'll be interesting to see if what we just discussed about oatmeal, if if that's coming through. Well, it's it's good for me and it's good for you. I, I like to get that history of, of what each individual uh, stout style was all about. So that's what I'm saying. Stout's just not a stout. There is, you've got stout and then there's a whole bunch of other alternatives so your oyster stout your chocolate stout your imperial you've got your oatmeal uh, and so on and and even porter porter is part of a stout uh, so thanks all for tuning in thanks everyone for subscribing and 
if you haven't checked out World Home Brew Club, you can go check that out. This uh, it's your one grip for all your home brewing and barbecue jerky needs. And there's a uh, there's a new new group, a uh, well reasonably new. A, another podcast to go check out it's called Red Cup Brewing so go check out Red Cup Brewing that's a podcast and also a YouTube channel go check that one out cheers all and thanks for listening again peace, stay safe amongst this coronavirus, uh, and I hope to catch up with you all again next week, I can't wait to see what beers I get into this week cheers guys Chug it.